back to Hedging Happiness. This is episode 11. It's going to be a, another similar episode. We have a new guest on this weekend. It'll be Luke's cousin, Taylor. We're going to kind of do the same thing. Week 10 recap, week 11 preview with our week 11 picks. We're going to do another similar outline with the college football rankings reveal. Kind of similar to what we did last week. Luke's going to have the live college football rankings and Taylor and I are going to try to predict what we think the top six will be and Luke will kind of give us a yes or no how you know incorrect correct on each pick starting with six going down to one and then this week we're going to finish with the snake draft of best cocktails or drinks so that's kind of what that'll be let's get started Luke why don't you introduce our guest yep so first Taylor, welcome to Hedging Happiness. Excited to be here, y'all. Taylor, I would say Taylor is one of our more more loyal listeners, but also more critical listeners. I get some positivity coming out of his corner after episodes, but a lot of negativity. Don't hold anything back as we go through the show. Taylor is not new to Hedging Happiness. As I said, we had his better half on in week three, I believe, Elena Williams. And from what I've heard from Elena, Taylor's been chomping at the bit to come on and share his share his perspective. Taylor, for me, uh, I call him my cousin, even though he's married to my cousin, so he's like something like a cousin-in-law. But we, I, we feel like blood because we both bleed the SEC. We both bleed college football. We would never have our weddings in the fall. There are just certain things where we are exactly the same. And so in many ways, I feel closer to him than many of my other cousins. Everyone's family down in the South. That's how you guys just spin everything. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, when uh, a new perspective male or female partner shows up with a Mishu date, the first thing I ask them is when their uh, perfect wedding would be, just so I know, you know, oh, am I going to have to cut this person out of my life? Or, you know, are they, are they welcomed with open arms? Uh, no fall destination weddings. That's, uh, that's rule number one, uh, at least in my book. And I would say maybe most, we're, we're close in that we're, we both cheer for the SEC, but we're not very close in that I'm a big Tennessee fan and... Taylor is probably equally as big a Georgia fan. Now, his his last 20 years have been much better than mine, but we do have... It's actually pretty timely. This weekend, Tennessee plays Georgia, so we'll get into that a little bit later. But Taylor, I'll, I don't know if you have prepared remarks, but I'll give you the floor if you have anything you want to say ahead of time. No, no, uh, no, no prepared remarks. I'm excited about the games this weekend. I'm excited to be and thrilled to be on y'all's podcast tonight. I think... Uh, you know, this last weekend and then this upcoming weekend, there aren't a ton of amazing college football matchups. And I've kind of felt like that on the whole this year. You know, we're 11 weeks, 12 weeks into the season now, and we've maybe had seven or eight, you know, just awesome weeks of college football. And then, guys, I got to tell you, there have been a lot of duds this year. I mean, last Saturday, there weren't not a ton of, of great games for people to, to sit back and watch unless you were an interested party. So, um, you know, I'm excited to get into this week, and I really appreciate the introduction, Luke. Uh, it's, it's awesome to be here, and I'm excited to, to hear what you guys have to say this week. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting one with the revealing of the, the top six live and then the Georgia-Tennessee game. But 
why don't we jump into the week 10 recap? I'll actually, we'll do something a little different. I'll kick it over to Taylor, who went to law school at Wake Forest to recap the Wake Forest at North Carolina game. Well, I will, I will offer my first correction of the evening. I went to undergrad at Wake, but oh, shoot. Uh, and, and oh, I think no. that's something we share, Luke, though. You know, we both went to what I would call more academically focused undergrads, but don't care as much about their uh, football success, at least. You know, I, Wake Forest football is, is team B for me, but I, I will say I love Wake basketball, uh, but, but Georgia comes first. It was a brutal Brutal weekend uh, to to be a Demon Deacon, though. I was at the Georgia game on Saturday. I was watching the Wake game on my phone in the stadium. Uh, luckily for me, Georgia was playing Missouri, so there were plenty of empty seats, and I had a good cell reception. I could stream the whole game uh, to my iPhone. But for the second year in a row, Wake Forest blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead at UNC uh, and lost the game. And, and in this... This year, there was more in the line, obviously, because, you know, we had a number nine ranking going in and undefeated season. Interestingly enough, though, it was not a conference game. Uh, Wake and UNC had been removed from each other's schedules for several years due to the way the ACC has been rotating opponents. And so this was actually one of, I believe, a, a series of in the series of three or four games they scheduled out of conference just to keep the rivalry going. Uh, it is a big rivalry in the state of North Carolina. It's important to play this game. It's, it's important to try to win the, the Tobacco Road Cup or whatever we call it these days. But Wake just, they blew it. The defense was awful in the end. Uh, there were a couple of questionable calls that didn't go Wake Forest's way. But uh, for as good as the Wake offense is, and it is a phenomenal offense, you know, they move so quickly, very similar to Tennessee, which we'll talk about later, that if they don't move the chains, if they don't get first downs, if they're not scoring points, they gas their defense. And that's what's happening. Uh, that's what happened last week in the fourth quarter. Wake just got off the field too quickly. The defense couldn't keep up. And uh, UNC mounted uh, another horrible comeback uh, from the Wake Forest perspective. And, you know, 8-1 and one now. I think, you know, Wake still has everything in front of them. They can win the ACC. I don't think they're going to be in the playoff even if they were to win out. I don't necessarily think they would have been in the playoff had they been undefeated, uh, but they can still win the ACC. They can still be uh, their division rep in the title game in Charlotte. Uh, there's more to come for this Wake Forest football team, but man, it was rough. And to lose to arguably your biggest rival the same way two years in a row, that's heartbreaking for, for the Demon Deacons. Yeah, and for those who might not know or didn't follow that game or the or the last week because it wasn't a very good week, I believe the game finished fifty six to forty eight. So de- defense was very optional. Fifty eight, fifty five. Fifty eight, fifty five. Yeah. Yeah, we got a late we got a late touchdown when the game was out of reach, unfortunately. Um, so, so even worse, defense really was not at a premium that game. I am. No. I was curious. I was going to ask you, and you answered your uh, my question there. You know, if you thought Wake Forest, if they did end up going undefeated, would they make the college football playoff? You don't think they would have. I also agree with that. I just don't think, I think they're similar to a boat of Cincinnati, as in the ACC. There's no really any strong wins in the ACC this year. Everybody's pretty mediocre. Curious to, or was very interested to hear you say that as well. I do think, though, 
you make a good point when you say they still have everything to play for because Wake Forest, they are not typically a football program. And in the ACC, with a down year from Clemson, all these teams that typically don't have a chance of winning the ACC have a chance to win an ACC title. And to these kind of schools, that's a huge deal. It's a huge, huge deal. Because let's be honest, Wake Forest was never going to win a national championship. There's only a handful of teams that can win a national championship every year. They were not one. They're having an incredible season. And what would make their season, I think, a I would, I'll say a complete success is if they go on and win an ACC title. That would be an unbelievable season for Wake Forest if they could do that. I, I agree, man. And I, I think, Nick, that I will give the, the program a shout. You know, when I got to college at Wake in 2009, it was a basketball school. And, and we've got a very rich basketball history, and that has not been great the past decade due to some, I would say, poor decisions by the athletic department. Uh, now we've got another great coach that we love, and, and I'm, I'm bullish on the program. But over the past 15 years, you know, Wake won an ACC title in 2006 over Georgia Tech. Uh, it was a riveting 9-6 to football game between two mediocre teams. And I think— what, uh, what, How far do we have to go back for that title? 2000 what? 2006. Uh, That's almost is, as far back as Georgia's last national championship. Okay, all right, Luke, we'll get to that I later. Um, I, <laughs> and and I, I think someone said, you know, Wake went to the Orange Bowl. We lost to Bobby Petrino's Louisville team that year, one of his good teams. And there were more living Wake Forest people in the Orange Bowl than, than anywhere else in the world at that time combined. So, like, if a bomb had gone off in that stadium, the university would have been wiped out. You know, if something were to happen to Notre Dame or Georgia in a football game, God forbid— there would be plenty of Notre Dame and Georgia fans uh, ready to take those season tickets. But, I mean, it, it, it is the smallest – it was the smallest BCS Bowl-eligible school for a long time. And it's now, I believe, the second smallest Power 5 institution. 5,000 undergrads exactly. They've been the best program in North Carolina over the past 15 or 16 years. Six straight bowl games. Dave Clawson, criminally underrated football coach. I hope he stays in Winston – uh, as long as he possibly can, I hope we give him everything he wants. You know, seven or eight wins at Wake satisfies us, and I, I wouldn't risk you know <laughs> going to a bigger school and throwing that uh, job security away. But I, I'm proud of what they've accomplished, and uh, you know they they do have everything in front of them left, and we'll see how the season plays out. Big game against NC State this weekend. Uh, this really will decide if Wake's going to be in the title game or not uh, in Charlotte, and I think you know. I've got them down uh, as my lock. I'll explain that a little bit later. It's not a a biased pick. Uh, I'll explain what I'm doing there. But uh, from a betting perspective, Wake Forest's offense has hit a lot of overs this year. And they've helped me a little bit this fall, too, just because they're so prolific. I mean, y'all saw that Army game. You know, it was 70 to 56, something like that. Uh, So from an over perspective, if you're an interested better. Wake's offense uh, usually is going to help you get over that number, uh, depending on who the opponent is. Maybe not against Clemson's defense in two weeks, but I can see the overhitting in every Wake game uh, that's left, unless Vegas just sets a line that's astronomically high. Yeah, that's good insight. I think we'll we'll definitely let you speak on that uh, in a little bit further in the show. I think, I mean... I don't know, Luke. We that's I, I came into the show and I 
fully did not expect to talk Wake Forest football for that long. <laughs> Most people don't. But, hey, but here we are. They certainly. Yeah, we just we just got freaking filibustered on our own podcast. <laughs> yeah, we just we just got. And I know more about Wake Forest than anybody that goes to Wake Forest right now. <laughs> but they, they certainly true. they're they're hey, they're a good enough team where I think they deserve to be talked about a little bit more. Let's move on to another one of the recap games. We had number three, Michigan State at Purdue. This was the biggest upset of the week. The spread line wouldn't have necessarily classified it as the biggest upset, but in terms of impact shaking up the college football rankings, this was the biggest upset of the week as number three, uh, Michigan State, goes to Purdue and loses. And... I feel like we've seen this happen, huh? A top five school going to Purdue and losing. Does that sound familiar? Someone may have said something along those lines last week. I can't remember, though. Someone might have said something along the lines. I I put them on upset alert. I don't know. This is like a classic Purdue. Usually, I feel like it only happens maybe once every two years. It's happened twice now. Earlier, we had number two Iowa lose on the road to Purdue. And I, I, I come out of this game... And I am thinking, like, what? What is the? What's the Big Ten, right? And then I think about it a little bit longer, and I come to the conclusion that, oh wait, it's the Big Ten. It's the Big Ten that we always know, and it's just a. It was rocky start. It kind of clouded us with that Ohio State loss to Oregon, and yet here we are getting close to the end of the season, and Ohio State is going to be the champions of the Big Ten. And that's, that is my prediction, but it certainly feels that way. And all these Big Ten teams that are trying to make their case, they stumble, they stumble. And Ohio State's starting to pick up a little bit of momentum. Yes, they had a close game against Nebraska, but it certainly has that feeling that it's another year for Ohio State. It's really interesting, though. Like, Ohio State or Michigan State losing to Purdue starts to put into motion a situation in which the Big Ten doesn't get any representation, potentially, right? If Ohio State slips again in any game, and they have Michigan, Michigan State, and probably Iowa left... No one's getting they in sl- if Ohio State loses. Th- yes, it's over, right? Yeah, I agree. Could could you argue Michigan? I don't think so. Michigan State? Not, not if they're not Big Ten champion and a loss, right? So, like, is it setting itself up for no Big Ten representation? Yeah, we can discuss that because I just had a thousand scenarios go through my brain of what could potentially happen. We Let's talk about that when we do the live reveal of the college football ranking because I think that'll be kind of a good conversation, a little, you know, feedback and I mean, hopefully some a little bit of controversy depending on your guys' opinions. But we will talk about some scenarios during that segment. Luke, talk about the last couple games and – you know, none of them again have too much of an impact, so don't don't take too much time on them. <laughs> no, it it's I think they're interesting from a coaching perspective, right? Like Florida just got shellacked by South Carolina, and like this South Carolina team is so bad. And Florida, they're five and four. Of, yeah, whatever. Like if that if that's if that, that is Dan Mullen's argument, then he's already gone. Dan Mullen, it's it's so funny how quickly it changes. And even like for Ed Orgeron, right? Like you have a couple bad seasons or a couple seasons where you're not living up to expectations and you are on the hot seat. 
Dan Mullen is four and five, five and four right now. And if they lose another game, the rest of their schedule is very easy. But if they lose another game to say like Florida State, he could be out of a job this year, which I honestly, and I'm sure Taylor hopes doesn't happen because this guy, this guy seems like he's a little bit out of his league. He made that comment in the press conference where, you know, they were talking about recruiting and he said, oh, I'll worry about recruiting till after the season. And then Kirby Smart came on like right after and was like, uh, no, you recruit all the time. And it kind of made Dan Mullen look like it, like an idiot. Anyway, Dan Mullen on the hot seat. And then Sarkeesian at Texas getting blown out uh, against Iowa State. And I know we going all the way back, Mike, your brother, our guest, made the proclamation that Texas was back. And it, and it looks like he is not only losing games, but he's losing the locker room also, which is, it's like a very interesting dynamic for a new coach. I saw that they're having multiple wide receivers transfer out. And I also saw a video. I don't know if either one of you saw it. I saw the video, the the coach yelling on the bus and punching the yeah. overhead bin or whatever Dude. it was. Um, Beasley, if you didn't see it, apparently guys were on the bus after getting schlacked by Iowa State and they were kind of laughing or they're joking around or something and kind of it was a lighter mood than you would expect after a 30 to 7 loss and I don't was it the line coach or the linebackers coach I I don't have confirmation on who the coach was I saw a picture of who they thought it was I think it might have been the defensive line coach but that's just hearsay um it it I, I don't want to call it a disturbing video right football culture is uh it is a lot worse than what we're privy to on a weekly basis. Most of it we don't see, probably a good thing, or the sport might be banned in the United States now. Uh, it's, it's a problem with that locker room, though. I think Sark's going to be fine. It's his first year. He's building that program up. I know they have astronomically high expectations and, and money, uh, endless money, but it's going to be a two- or three-year build for Sark unless he just loses you know the next 12 games they play uh but it shows a locker room problem when you have a player recording the coach going off you know locker rooms are sacred to some extent and um that that sacredness was breached you know it's it's one thing to record maybe a physical altercation I don't think this was a physical altercation I don't think anyone's life was in danger this is just a verbal uh, berating. And I, look, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying that should happen. It, it probably shouldn't. But also, you know, when you have your players recording your coaches going off like that and then posting them to social media or sending them to someone who might post it to social media, that is a big problem for that locker room. And now there's going to be a lot of distrust. It's going to be interesting to see what Texas does the rest of the way. Completely agree. So... And, and I guess I, moving. I will ahead. say one thing, y'all, on the Dan Mullen thing. I think Dan Mullen's a clown. I hope he stays at Florida for eternity. He is a phenomenal offensive mind, but he can't recruit his way out of a paper bag. And uh, I think you know they are like two and eight now, or two and seven in their last nine Power Five or ten, nine or ten Power Five games. I mean, it's bad. Um, I think he'll get another year too, Luke. Unless you're as you alluded to. He loses to someone else left on the schedule. They should beat everyone left on that schedule. But South Carolina is worse than a lot of teams left on that schedule. So what happens in Gainesville, I don't know. Completely agree. Tennessee could use some, some either more Dan Mullen or just some shakeup 
you know, get that get that Florida win back. Moving on though to these are our picks from last week. I'll go through mine quickly. I went one and two. I lost the Auburn against A and M pick. I lost the Michigan State against Purdue pick, but I did win my lock. I it wasn't thirty points like I predicted. Hopefully, no one took the alternate line, but Oregon <laughs> did cover. <laughs> Oregon did cover fairly comfortably, and also that Washington coach is a lunatic as well. Like the, the guy's a total nut job. But uh, why don't you tell us about your picks? Yeah, I also went one and two. We I, we both had Auburn, lost Auburn. I lost my lock in Baylor. That was a very big surprise for me. I just didn't quite expect TCU to be, you know, have the energy, have the motivation after losing their coach to come out. But, you know, sometimes you see that, and I I was on the wrong side of it. I predicted it wrong, but they, they clearly came out and had a really strong performance against Baylor. And then the game that I won was uh, Georgia under. Per usual, just always rely on that defense. That one was also relatively comfortable. I mean, whenever you see what what Missouri scores six points, three, three points. It was inside. oh, I'm sorry, whenever, it was six. It was six. Yeah, they, weren't they up three zero at one point? They were. They were up three zero at one point, <laughs> and no one. Yeah, I don't even think anyone was watching the game at that point yet. I don't think anyone was worried. <laughs> So, yeah, to my point, like, just Georgia's defense is – we've talked – I've talked about it. I've been the last three weeks all about this Georgia team, this Georgia defense in particular. They give up six points. They're, the, the under is going to cover. At some point, the offense is just going to take the foot off the gas. The unders will cover, especially when it was at a number like 60, which is ridiculous to me. So one and two, you know, not quite our year. It's safe to say that. Luke and I have been – we're not drowning, but we are. We're, we've been struggling. We've been trying to get back to the the surface for pretty much all year. But we're, we'll keep at it. You know, we'll keep at it. There's still time left to change our season around, and that's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. It's the beauty. All of right. It. Moving. The rankings come out. They have. I have them up in front of me. All right. Here we go. So let me let, let's preface it really quick. So you you've, you're looking at the rankings right now. So you'll ask us what the number six team is, and we will both give our prediction, and then you'll tell us, or do you want us to give us the full top six, and then we'll go six all the way down to one. All right, let's do this. I'll ask for the number six spot. If you give me the if you give me a team and it's not number six, I'll tell you where that team ended up. Okay. okay. Oh. Okay. So, so let's start. Number six team in the college football rank- rankings week two. I'll let the guests go first. I'm going to say Michigan. That was also going to be my pick. Michigan is the number six team. Yep. Okay. Number so five. Well, guest honors. I'm going to say Cincy, but I hope it is Ohio State. Yeah, that... Wow, for some reason, I feel like Cincy even dropped with their performance, and I, I really want to not say Cincinnati. But, I, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I think we're going to have the same list here. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm also going to go Cincinnati. Cincinnati, number five. Yeah. I'll go first here because it's fresh in my brain. I'll go Ohio State at four. Ohio State at four. I agree. And then I would say Oregon at three. Yep. And then Bama and then Georgia. 
Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if you're if you're Georgia right now, this is exactly how you don't want the rankings to end, and they they won't. But man, wouldn't it suck to play Ohio State in the the semifinal game? Potentially the best second best team out there. Oh, it would absolutely suck. And as much as I didn't want it to be Wake Forest versus Georgia in the playoffs, because I would probably vomit for four hours and then kill myself. I don't think that uh, Ohio State would be a fun first-round opponent. You know, assuming this holds up, the Big Ten, I think, here is the biggest question mark. As you all alluded to earlier, the parity is really starting to show. Ohio State always has better athletes, and then everybody else is kind of bunched up behind them. I... I see Georgia as a lock right now. Assuming Georgia can get through Saturday, and I, I don't, I don't want to hype you up too much, Luke, but this is a playoff game for Georgia on Saturday. Because if Georgia wins, they're going to go to the playoff, I would think, regardless of what happens in Atlanta, you know, unless they get beat 70 to nothing. Um, beyond that, you know, you've got Alabama hanging out right there. Who knows what's going to happen to the Tide the next three or four weeks. They've got an incredibly tough finish to the schedule I think Oregon is deserving to be ahead of Ohio State if they went out. You know, they won head-to-head in the shoe. I know they got an awful loss against Stanford, but, you know, let's chalk it up to one bad day and they have the head-to-head. I do not believe that Cincinnati is a playoff team. They've got a great program. Fickle's a great coach. You know, everybody talks about the Georgia Peach Bowl last year, but Georgia had nine players missing from that game, and they still found a way to win, miraculously. Non-playoff, non-playoff bowl games are the biggest crock. They are ever. They are like people. People don't get that. People don't understand that. Like when UCF like gives LSU a run for their money and the, or beats who they beat. They beat Auburn for the yeah. And the, like no one cares. Like these seasons are over. Half of these guys in the SEC are gonna go to the the, dra- the combine, the draft. Like no one's worried about these games. But then. Everyone says Cincinnati, Georgia, you know, or yeah. UCF, Auburn. I agree. Like it, I agree. And I think these rankings this year so far, and this whole season, you have Georgia with an absolutely elite defense at the top, and then you have six or seven teams that you really never know what you're going to get out of each week. You don't always know what you're going to get out of Georgia's offense each week, but you always know that defense is consistent. Everybody else, it's just a pot of inconsistency and it's going to be a wild last three weeks to see how this shakes out. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think they're, I think Oregon's resume is deserving, but I don't think they're any good. I don't yeah. think Oregon's any good. I, I, I personally think Oregon and Cincinnati would be a very even matchup. Yeah. I know Cincinnati has struggled as of recently, but I don't – like Oregon doesn't play anybody. No. And that game when, against Washington, it was pouring rain. It was a it was a gross football game. But it's not like they look good. And I don't think they they losing their their uh, starting running back certainly hurts them. He was a fantastic player. They've got athletes. They've got good recruits. They've got good talent. But I don't know. I think if they do make the playoff, and if again if they win out, I you know credit to them. They have a huge win. Their resume looks good. If you play Oregon, you are the happiest team in the college football playoff. I think they will be the worst team in the college football playoff at the end of the year if they make it. I I agree with that. Unless Cincinnati finds a way to sneak in. And, and I think you you hit the nail on the head with the Cincy. Oregon could be a close game. When you have a month to prepare for an opponent, it, it should be a close game. I think the real tell in the playoff is who are the better two teams – 
the next week. What does that matchup look like based on 14 or 15 previous games? Um, you know, if Cincy were to sneak by and play Georgia in a national championship or Alabama, I wouldn't give them a snowball's chance in hell of winning that football game. Uh, but that first game, you get a month to prepare, your team is rested, everybody's practicing around the holidays, uh, everybody gets healthy again for, the, for a lot of the guys with the minor in- injuries. You know, that first game could go a bunch of different ways, but just looking at this, this is the most parity we've had in college football since 2007, I would argue. Uh, and it's fun. It's exciting. This is the kind of year the playoff was made for, but it's also the exact year where you don't need more than four teams because there really aren't more than four good football teams. And there might only be two, So, and maybe even only one. I'm hopeful it's only one as a Georgia fan. So, uh, yeah, this is just – it's hard to predict this, and we'll probably see a shakeup next week. Let me let me see let me make a hypothetical here. Let's say let's say actually I kind of I think I answer it. Georgia Okay, no, here we go. All everyone wins out and Bama beats Georgia in SEC championship game. So you have Ohio say, State big. When you say everyone wins out, you're saying the top 6 all went out until I'm, championship I'm talking, weekend. Or the top the top 4 the top, right? top 5. Four, the top top 5. Top yeah. 5 went out. Except Bama beats Georgia. Yeah. Right? So you have, you'd probably have Bama one. No, they, they're not. Yeah, Georgia two, maybe. Oregon three, Ohio State four. Let's just say that for sake. Let's say Oklahoma goes undefeated because we have to talk Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma what, are they? what are they? What are they? Seven? They're eight. They're eight, eight still. still. Who's seven? But they didn't play. Give us Michigan. the top ten, and then you can finish your statement. Yeah. I need to know. Top ten, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan, the rest. Yes, Cap. So if Oklahoma wins and Oregon's ahead of Ohio State, is Ohio State out or is Oregon pushed out because Ohio State will jump them in the end? You know, that is a great high vote. The playoff committee kind of talks off out of both sides of the mouth at times. Best team, most deserving team. You know, they're claiming a lot of times they, they're picking the best team at the end of the season. Going into Ohio State and winning a game, I don't care if it's the first game or the last game, that's impressive. I would argue that Oregon deserves to be in over Ohio State. Um, And then, you know, is Oklahoma a better football team than Ohio State? No, I don't believe so. But if they are undefeated, you would say they are more deserving as well than Ohio State is because they don't have that loss on them. You know, the SEC privilege is alive and well. Uh, I'm hopefully going to be a beneficiary of it this season. But, you know, there's so much parity here. I think it's a great hypo, Luke. I think that is going to be the hard one for the committee to figure out. And then, you know, if Cincinnati's undefeated, right? I mean, they're going to be screaming bloody murder. I mean, if Cincinnati doesn't get into the playoff undefeated, eh, and there are three one-loss teams in the playoff, or four, I mean, you know, that student body might might march to the college football playoff headquarters and burn it down. So it's going to be tough. I don't envy the position they're in. Cincinnati will have a win at at a top, by the end of the year, probably a top six Notre Dame team, a top seven Notre Dame team, if Notre Dame wins out. And yeah. who knows if they will. But if Notre Dame wins out, they're at nine right now, they could easily get up to six or seven. And if yeah. you're Cincinnati, what – you have a gripe to saying, well, you know, Oregon beat 
Ohio State, who's four, will we beat Notre Dame, who's six, and yet we don't even have a loss. Yeah. Which is uh, crazy. Yeah. I agree. I think it comes down to with Oklahoma and with the committee. Oklahoma, how much does the committee value potentially two wins against the Oklahoma State team? Because that's what it will come down to. They, yeah. they could potentially play Oklahoma State back-to-back weeks into the regular season and then in the Big 12 championship. Or right Baylor. now they're a top 10 team. Baylor's in there as well. So that's a, they, Oklahoma has a, you know, they have a strong end of the year, but so does Ohio State. Ohio State has a number six Michigan left, a number seven Michigan State left, and then potentially a top 15 Wisconsin left. So it's going to be chaos I'll say at the end of the year. If, if what I said happens, I think Oregon is out. I agree. I agree with you. I, I don't think like, uh, I think uh, it's Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. It's teams, I, that we all, teams that are always there. <laughs> I agree with you, unfortunately, Luke. I wish it wasn't that way. I think Oregon's style points will be big the next three weeks. I think Oregon's got to go just obliterate people uh, and convince the world that that Stanford loss was an unfair asterisk and just move on. Um, but I agree, and, and I, I honestly think if you had to pick, this is a hypo back to y'all. If you had to pick between Ohio State and Oklahoma, who was more likely to lose a game the rest of the way? Oklahoma, no doubt. Oklahoma, in my opinion. For sure. I agree with that. I, and I think Oklahoma will lose a game. I mean, yeah, I, I think too. they're going to drop one. So I hope the Oklahoma argument's Maybe a moot two. point. Maybe two games. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been flirting with it the whole, a loss this whole season. They did come off a bye, so I'm hoping, you know, Lincoln Riley works some magic. If they come out and crush Baylor, I will be so pumped. You know who so this pumped. Oklahoma team reminds me of? And, of course, this is you know a bias of, of my school. It reminds me of that 2000, 2012 Notre Dame team when they went undefeated. It is back in the BCS era. They I never should Everett have been Wilson, there. And they won all these close games, but they were undefeated. So they deserve to be in it according to the BCS rankings, and they just got absolutely ruled by Alabama. That kind of gives me the feeling of Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma has more talent than that Notre Dame team, but they the same vibe of they keep squeaking by, getting wins, but they're undefeated. And that's the only thing they can hang on to right now is, hey, we're undefeated. Yeah, we've played terrible, but we've not, we haven't lost. And when, when that's your strongest, you know, the strongest case you can make, it's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. Yeah. Well, and Nick, I think that's everybody in this top 10 except Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Just based on athletes and star power, everybody else, the other seven teams in this top 10, I think you could make a case that they're all going to get rolled in the playoff if those three teams are one of the opponents. I mean, you know, it's just setting up for another Georgia or Alabama, Ohio State National Championship. And I hope, I pray that I'm wrong, particularly on Ohio State. But, um, you know, the rich have gotten richer in this playoff era the past four or five seasons. And it hasn't really funneled down. We've got more parity this year because some other schools are catching up. But, I mean, the top three or four are still the top three or four. And, you know, it's going to be that way for at least two or three more seasons, I would say. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like you were saying, it, there's only, and we, I think we maybe mentioned this on like the second episode we've ever had, 
it doesn't really matter. There's two there's two teams that really can win every year, maybe three. And whoever gets that fourth spot, they always get rolled. And in some in some cases, what was it? Three years ago, we had an Alabama. Uh, Clemson final and Clemson won the final by 30 and then even the LSU Clemson the two best teams in the in the yep. whole the whole uh, nation and LSU smokes them so yeah it, it it is really hard I think the teams that aren't Ohio State that aren't you know Bama in, in this case Georgia is kind of a different team they've been flirting with it but they are a different team but these teams that have played Clemson and you know LSU for one year in Alabama they don't really stand a chance and it's not it's not that they're a bad football team per se. It's the other teams have been so, so good. And I think like what you're saying, we could have that again this year. Whether it's Georgia, whether it's Bama or Ohio State, I don't know. It's gonna I, I have a feeling it's gonna be the same thing with another year. One of these teams is gonna blow teams out and it's gonna be a, a massacre in the college football final. I hope not, because I wanna see a close game. I don't have any, you know, I, unless Notre Dame somehow finds a way to get to the college football playoff, I don't have any eggs. I don't have any, you know, anyone in the fight. But it certainly feels like mm-hmm. that could turn out to be that way. No, absolutely. So I have another hypothetical with the college football playoffs, but I'm going to transition into our Week 11 preview and include it with one of these games. So I'll, I'm going to talk about Michigan at Penn State. And the reason I'm kind of combining it with this hypothetical in the college football playoff rankings is I we talked about if Ohio State – and I, I made this statement, and I'm going to retract it. I said if Ohio State loses, there will not be a Big Ten team in the playoff. I'm going to retract that statement, and I think if Michigan wins out, they will make it into the college football playoff. They will have one loss against a – Michigan State team, who is number seven right now. We don't know how they'll finish, but they've got some big wins potentially coming up with Ohio State. Penn State would still be a big win, and then a Big Ten final potentially. I think if they win out, they make it into the college football playoff. What do you guys think? Who who goes if Ohio State were to lose to Michigan, then Ohio State would have two Big Ten, no, one Big Ten loss to Michigan, Michigan would lose to Michigan State, and let's assume Michigan. So Michigan would go, and then Michigan could take. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. I think Michigan would have the playoff the because they Michigan State would have two losses at that point. Yeah. So there's only going to be one Big Ten West team with one loss in this hypothetical, right? If Michigan were to beat Ohio State and win out the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they'd get in. I think people, I think I think they'd get in. Yeah, Ohio State would have one Big Ten loss, but it would be a head-to-head loss in that case. So yeah, yeah. I mean, right now they're they're six. They would knock out the number four team. Certainly, they would jump Cincinnati, and that's that's the only team they would have to jump in that in this scenario. I I agree with you. I think they would deserve to be in. I think we're we're putting a lot of weight on a team that they couldn't beat Ohio State. I think if Ohio State was blindfolded, I mean. If the hypo plays out exact, exactly like you're saying, I, I agree 100%. I just don't trust Harbaugh. I don't trust Michigan uh, at, at the end of the season. We've seen this story way too many times now. Uh, I, I'm more frustrated when you look at the Big Ten at how bad the West is. You know, Wisconsin's it's playing. It's always bad. <laughs> it's awful. You know, Wisconsin's playing better football, but the, they're still the, probably. The Big, Ten, the Big Ten East, right? 
Yeah, the the East is way too stacked. If there's any division in college football that needs to be blown up and remade, it's the Big Ten West. They have a huge problem with parity in, in the is Big the, Ten. Is the Big Ten West Michigan, or is it the Big Ten East with Wisconsin? Can we get the analytics guy on that? Analytics team's looking into it. We'll the, be back shortly. The West is Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, and Nebraska. So that, the, the Big Ten West is atrocious. Awful. Yes. Wake Forest would win the Big Ten West. The West. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, the West is atrocious. You're, you're completely right. The East is – it's almost – I mean, it's similar to the SEC in most years. It is, but I mean – I look at the SEC East maybe against anyone other than Bama. So take out Georgia and Bama. Take out those other SEC East teams against the top of the SEC West. They can beat one of those teams on any given Saturday if they play well. Or, you know, you go into a bad environment and you just don't perform. The West Division, even a tough environment, even not getting your best game as an Eastern team out there on the field, you're still probably going to beat them. I mean, this is just, it's bad. Um, it's really bad. And I really don't want to see Wisconsin get blown out in another Big Ten title game. Uh, at least throw a bone to Minnesota or Purdue. Put someone else there uh, so we don't have to watch oh, a slow gosh, plot if in Wisconsin if, team. If, hey, if you want to see Minnesota play in a Big Ten championship, oh, please help PJ me. Fleck <laughs> is the biggest clown. Oh, ever. my gosh. Minnesota, I could not hate more. Because they are the biggest frauds ever. They'll come out and it's like, all right, Minnesota, they're they're gonna, they're 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 looking good this week. They just had a solid win, and then they go out and lose to Illinois. Well, Another, sorry, I'm transitioning really quick. Another Illinois, it, it sparked a thing in my mind. What about Texas San Antonio guys? Undefeated team. I know this is hilarious because who have they played? Well, they beat Illinois on the road. And if we're talking about throwing Minnesota in a Big Ten championship, like we got it, we we at least got to mention Texas San Antonio. Can they be the Big Ten West representative in the championship game? <laughs> that would be I incredible. Mean, yes, please. I, I, let's vote them in. Let's just have it happen. It will be better than watching Wisconsin stumble around the football field for four hours. So, Cincinnati versus te- uh, Texas San Antonio neutral field winner plays Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. I'm all did for we, it. Did we just fix college football? Maybe. I think I we don't did. Know. We, we, we might have. That, so, yeah. Anyways, I, that, completely off topic there with Texas-San Antonio. I did – I told Luke last week, said, remind me to talk about this team because they 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 should be slept on. They haven't played anybody. But it, I think it's hilarious. They, again, we'll talk about a Minnesota, and they, you know, they go to Illinois, they lose, and Texas-San Antonio beat Illinois on the road. Anyways, Michigan, I don't, I don't really care. I think they're going to lose to Ohio State as well. I just thought it was interesting. They, they do control their own destiny. At the end of the day, they're not going to be in control. They're going to lose. That's it for Michigan talk. Let's let's continue on with this uh, week eleven preview. I mean, we gotta, we gotta let Luke do his thing. He's going to talk about the Sooners. You, it's a weekly podcast thing. Let him go off. Go off. Look. King. It's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We're it's like ten weeks in, and they still haven't lost. And they finally got a buy. They finally got Caleb Williams some time to you know learn the system, figure out what they got. And this is like what we've been talking about all year: just 
hang on, and then your last three games are going to be huge. They go at Baylor this weekend. They play uh, Iowa State at home, and then they play at Oklahoma State, and probably at Oklahoma, or they probably play Oklahoma State again in the Big 12 championship. Look, what you said about Notre Dame kind of gave me hope that this Oklahoma team can can run the table somehow, some way. And look, if they if they get past Iowa State, Baylor, I think, and I think Oklahoma they're gonna, State. Yeah, yeah, but Baylor. I think if they get past Baylor, Iowa State, if they get through that that point of the schedule, I think they're gonna win out. I I think. What if they that, barely that win point, those games like they have been all year, and they don't? It's look fine. Good. It's fine. It's honestly you, fine. Like they're gonna scrape you think it it's out. The, you think it's the good juju at that point? Like no matter what, they're gonna scrape out a, a win, and it's yes. it's the team of destiny. Yes. At that point, all you can do is like give everything you have to win your last two games, and I think it happens. So I like this. I will be watching this Baylor game. My eyes will be glued to the TV because I think this and the Iowa State game next week. Are huge, and this Baylor team just lost to a, a a TCU team that just fired their head coach, who has a statue in front of the stadium. Not a very good team. They're not good. Oh, this Baylor team, the wheels could could I'm maybe be T- coming off. TCU was not a good team. I'm still not. I'm, I would. I I can't go that far to say Baylor's not a good football team. TCU was not a good football team. Yes, I agree with that. But if you're going to lose, it, it's a momentum killer if you're if you're on Baylor's team, in my opinion. And that's exactly what Oklahoma needs. We need the schedule, even though it's hard to be just get a little bit softer as the weeks go on. So that'll be one to, that I'll definitely be watching. Taylor, I'll kick it over to you for the for the biggest game of the weekend. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's the biggest game of the weekend. I, I thank it you. is going thank you. It is going to be an interesting one. Um, I I did some prep here, y'all. So if if you will uh, indulge me for a moment. Uh, let's talk about Tennessee, Georgia. And, you know, I'm thinking about this game, and I have some family members who are Tennessee fans. And, you know, Luke, your brother, is all on this Tennessee offense. And I read the message boards. I see the comments. And, dear God, you know, I would think that, you know, we're, we're playing, like, the greatest selection of NFL all-stars uh, on offense for Tennessee. And so did if you look at it. Peyton Manning came back on Tennessee. I, it's it's the ghost of Peyton Manning leading this. He has uh, possessed Hinton Hooker, and now uh, it feels like '98 Neyland Stadium. Uh, Tennessee's offense, y'all, is averaging 6.2 yards per play. 32. It's 32nd in the country. Georgia's averaging 6.9. It's fourth in the country. Tennessee's averaging 8.4 passing yards per play. It's 32nd in the country. Georgia's averaging 10th. It's fourth in the country. Tennessee's averaging 5.3 rushing yards per play. 16th in the country. Georgia's averaging 5. It's 27th in the country. Points per game. Tennessee is averaging 36 points a game. It's 16th in the country. Georgia's averaging 38.4. It's 9th in the country. Tennessee's offense is eerily similar to Arkansas statistically. And I look at the Tennessee offense like the lottery. And I think that's what excites the Tennessee fans. A lot of them play the lottery. Uh, not very good odds. I, I would not suggest it, but there's not much to do in East Tennessee. If, if you play all these numbers, they're going to hit, right? I mean, every now and then you're going to get lucky. You're going to hit a big play. And that's what Tennessee does. They hit these big plays over the top or they bust a big play on the ground. And it, it really jacks up these offense statistics 
in part too because they move so quickly. But the offense is not that good. You would think we're playing the number one offense in the country this weekend, and we are not. In fact, statistically, Georgia's offense is better than Tennessee. And and I would give you the defensive breakdown if you wanted to hear it, but I mean, I I don't want to put Luke through that. It's really bad. Uh, Suffice to say, Georgia is first in three of those four categories and second in the other, and Tennessee is not above 50 in any of them. This game should not be close. Uh, Luke's brother gave me uh, an opportunity to have a point spread challenge on this game. I said Georgia minus 19 and a half when we were in Vegas two weeks ago. Vegas, the line today was 20 and a half. I, I'm, I should become a bookie. I can't believe I said it that closely. Um, I think the dogs are going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be particularly close for more than maybe a half. And I really think just a quarter, unless... Those lotto numbers come in, the Tennessee Powerball hits, and they connect on two or three big plays in the first quarter. Tennessee needs two or three long touchdowns to put this game uh, into that trouble territory for Georgia. And if they can do that, they will. Because I'm not convinced this Georgia offense can come from behind yet. I think that's a fair point. We're waiting to see, is JT Daniels going to take over for Stetson? Is Stetson going to keep going out there for a little bit longer? But if it just kind of goes the way we think it's going to go, if Georgia survives Tennessee's best shot and they're not hitting on those big plays, I think Georgia should cover. Uh, I really do. And, you know, maybe we get a backdoor cover here, but Kirby Smart hates Tennessee. The Georgia starters want to prove a point because they're tired of hearing about this Tennessee offense. They're going to play a lot of the game. Um, I mean, you know, you've got Georgia's third and fourth string with goal line stands now against Mizzou and Kentucky to try to preserve uh, the defense integrity. I just, Tennessee can absolutely win this football game, but the confidence that is emanating from Rocky Top, it, we need to temper that a little bit. It's just, it is a lot. It is a lot. Tennessee, Tennessee cannot win this football game. I feel like stop, 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 stop. No, 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 they can't. First of all, how many? Look, I'll give you the floor here in a second, but since this is a podcast and there's no video involved, when Taylor was given all these stats, you, the the look on Luke's face was so stone cold. I, he was so, (laughs) you're, you were so angry inside and you, I could just tell you're going through your brain. Oh, they're these stats. They don't mean anything. You, Dude, you were that's exactly cold. what I'm gonna say. That's exactly what, like. I know you well enough. I knew that's exactly <laughs> what was going through your brain. If we know anything from this podcast, it mean throw the numbers out. They don't mean anything. I mean, they do. Look, well, look, look I, this is this is the whole thesis. The whole thesis behind Tennessee having a shot here. One, I've bet on enough twenty point favorites that have lost to know that this happens more often than you would think. Okay, so that's that's my Vegas rationale. My other rationale is, I agree. Look, Georgia is clearly the better team, but there has Georgia punch. has like has Georgia been punched in the mouth? Like, and I'm not saying Tennessee is definitely going to do that, but I think we're the highest first quarter scoring offense in the nation. And like, granted. We're not going to like dink and dunk our way down the field. Taylor's 100% right about that. If you look at our Florida game, if you look at our Alabama game, if you look at our Kentucky game, like we score quick. Like I think we had 13 minutes of possession in all of the Kentucky game and 145-42. Like it, we are okay 
scoring quickly and leaving our defense out there. I do think that becomes a problem in this game. Like, like Taylor said, like it could be really close in the first half, and then our defense starts to wear down. Like we don't have a lot of bodies, we don't have a lot of depth. We can't just cycle guys in and out. But I am so curious, and I'm curious with this Georgia team in general on this. I think Tennessee is the best challenge that they've faced off from an offensive standpoint to date. But when Georgia gets down, if it's by seven, if it's by ten, if it's by fourteen, like that changes the whole complexity of the game. Not just from Georgia having to score, but Tennessee's defense can now get super aggressive and can give up can give up, you know, big chunk plays, it doesn't matter. We can start trying to hit those those lotto numbers, the Powerball. And I, I agree that like the odds are not in our favor, but Going into Nealon, if we get up 7, 10, 14, somehow, some way, which, like, we have done. We've been up on Bama. We were up on Florida. Like, we do get up. What does this Georgia team do? Does I don't know who your offensive coordinator is. You start trying to, you know, use Stetson Bennett more. Does he just continue to try and run the ball? Uh, Nick, we'll see. He make, I, I, and, Luke, I think you make good points, and, and I don't disagree with I a lot don't. of them. I, I think the, <laughs> the one point that I am most fearful of, Nick, it has nothing to do with with the quality of player or scheme that Tennessee has. Well, there's two things I want to go back to, but the one point that Luke makes very clearly, and, and I agree with wholeheartedly, I would argue that Neyland Stadium is the only stadium in the SEC where the crowd is worth more than three points. And if the crowd gets going, it causes a big problem for the opponent usually. It, I would say they're worth about seven to ten points actually compared to other crowds when that place is rocking it is important if for georgia to come the game out is going tennessee's way if the game's going tennessee's way but really early right they, they might not stick around for the second half unless you give them a reason to you don't want to give them a reason to if you're georgia you want to come out you want to score you want to stop tennessee you want to be comfortable at the end of the second quarter because you don't want golf balls and mustard bottles to start flying if you're on the sidelines you want the Tennessee fans to go back to wherever they're going to go and drink their moonshine and not cheer because they can affect the game. They can absolutely affect the game. And Luke made an important point about the bodies on defense, though, and I think it was a, a very perceptive one. Tennessee was on the field for 43 minutes on defense last Saturday. Now they have to go up against an opponent that is bigger than them on both sides of the ball, on both lines of scrimmage, that breaks teams. Georgia breaks teams this season. It's kind of what Alabama did about a decade ago with their 2011 and 2012 squads where you would play them and then the next week you would be awful. You would be awful as whoever you're going up against. You wouldn't play to your standard. You'd be beat up. You'd be tired. Georgia is doing that. And um, I think Tennessee's defense is going to be gassed particularly against the run after being at a night game. Georgia was done at 2 o'clock with their starters on Saturday. Tennessee didn't get home till 3 or 4 in the morning. They were on the field for 42 minutes. That, like the stadium, is a soft factor that I think really uh, you have to pay attention to because they don't have the depth this season, despite how good their starters are. Um, Tennessee needs to get ahead. They need to hit the lot of numbers. they got to keep that awesome crowd in the game. And then see what happens. They got to get this to the third quarter. They can get it to the third quarter. I you will you will find me worried. I will be at that stadium with Luke's father and my dad. Um, you will see me worried. But if they can't get it uh, past the first half, you know I, I think Georgia will cover here. And um, 
you know, Tennessee will live to fight another day. They've got a great coach now. They've got a great offensive system. They just need to recruit, and they need to use the transfer portal. They're going to be good again. Uh, but I don't know if this is the team. I just, I'm not convinced yet, despite how good that offense can be. Yeah, I, I love, think. I love you, Luke. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm trying to be I, as objective. I don't think you have anything to worry about. Well, if you're a Georgia fan, you always worry, Nick. I mean, that's the uh, – we live in a constant state of fear. If we're not worrying, we're dead, so. <laughs> that's fair. As a Notre Dame fan, I can very much relate to that feeling. What do we say? Let's get into the Week 11 picks now, all right? That's a fantastic preview. It's such a good week. I feel like we needed to talk about all those games there. It, it is – college football is back this week. It was such a dud last week, and it's back. Let's get into our picks. Luke, take us off. Get us off to a good start. Give us a winner. Give us a winner. Look, I'm going 3-0. I haven't gone 3-0 yet. This is definitely 3-0. And we're going to start with Michigan State against Maryland. Michigan State, I anticipate a huge bounce back. They know that they are technically like still in... They're still alive. Not technically. They are still alive. But they're going to have to go out and bounce back from this game. I trust Mel Tucker to be a coach that can get them to do that. Also, maybe even more, I've seen this Maryland team play. I've seen Tulia Tagovailoa play. He is so bad. A turnover machine. I like Michigan State big in this game. Every game Maryland's loss has been more by 13 points. I like Michigan State minus 13. All right. That's, let's go. Their bounce back, bounce back week for Sparty, huh? I think that's fair. I mean... This is a really week. This is a week for them where it shows. All right, are you guys good, or was the first ten, eight weeks, nine weeks of the season a fluke? And we'll see. Thirteen points is a lot. If Michigan State is for real, they should cover that. If not, then we know that the like I said, the first eight, nine weeks were a little bit of a fluke. Or wait, we're in week eleven now, so the first ten weeks, but. I'll go next. I have TCU at Oklahoma State. Line in this game, Oklahoma State minus 13. The, this week is, is it's very interesting for me. I, I've had a, a tough time this season, but there's been one kind of pick that I've been seeming to have success, success with, and that is the under. The over-under in this game is 54.5. Like I just said, I'm going to take the under. Oklahoma State, they are good on defense, and I just I just have a feeling that this is a letdown week for TCU. They just had a very emotional win against TCU. You could argue maybe they won it for their coach, who's now, you know, we've said he's gone now. I don't know. I, the unders have been good. Just pick the under. I'm going to let it ride. That's my pick. I like that pick. I, I like the under so much more here than Oklahoma State minus 13. Because I just don't trust their offense, but that defense is phenomenal, and I agree. I think TCU is due for a letdown this week. I, I love the Horn Frogs. I love Gary Patterson. Sad to see him get shown the door in the middle of the season. And uh, how awkward was it, probably walking out of your office with a box of all your crap past your own statue? Like that's that's some uh, wow. I mean, that just gives you a lot to think about. Where where did you go wrong? They built a statue of you, and now you've been fired. Um, I think it's a great pick, though, Nick. Yeah, thank you. We'll see. This podcast is a little cursed, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go next. I'm not going to filibuster this. Y'all, 
I wanted to be a little contrarian here. Uh, Northwestern at Wisconsin. I've got the over. I'm getting 41 and a half points right now. Wisconsin has burned me several times this year on overs where I've included them in parlays. I just have a feeling that they're due. Everyone claims Wisconsin's playing better football. I don't believe it. I don't know if I believe in this pick, but I'm putting it down just to see what happens, just for this to be the week that Wisconsin finally proves me wrong at Camp Randall. It's going to be 40 degrees and overcast. That's like beautiful weather in Wisconsin, people tell me, this time of the year. I think that Wisconsin might be able to score about 34 points here, and I hope Northwestern is good for 10. And this over is going to hit by the skin of its teeth. Skin of its teeth. Get your bathing suits out and your suntan lotion if you're in Wisconsin this week. 40, 40 degrees, lovely weather. That sounds miserable. All right, that's I like it. That, that number is just so low where, you know, if a few weird things happen, it seems like it'll yeah. hit. You know, you, you get a pick six, a kick return I agree. touchdown, we, and you're like, oh, wow, I'm halfway there. That's crazy. One non-offensive touchdown this week, and we're I think this hits. So, And I trust Northwestern to screw up. So let's let's let it roll and see what happens. It's just a uh, it's just a like though. That's why it's in that category. Fair enough. Let's get into the loves then, Luke. All right, my love is Texas A&M at Ole Miss. The line is Texas A&M minus two. It's a night game. Man, I have refused to get on this Texas A&M train of they figured it out i i agree they recruit at a high level they have the poster boy head coach but i i've been i I don't i don't yeah i don't like him i don't like him at all i don't think i don't think he's necessarily any that good um but i've been trying to bet against texas a&m and i've been burned a couple times i got burned against bama and i got burned last week with auburn and i think this Texas A&M team is figuring out how to run the ball. And so my logic, my logic is the same as when Auburn played Ole Miss is that they were just going to run all over them and wear out the defense. And that the quarterback didn't really, Bo Nix didn't really do anything. I think a similar, similar thing applies here for Texas A&M. I think it's going to be a run all over them type of game. I, I get it's at Ole Miss, but I think this Ole Miss team is a little bit worn out from their SEC West schedule. I have, and I'm laying the points here, Texas A&M minus two. I, I think it's actually going to be 10-point 10, 10 game. You love just being so aggressive with your with your picks and your alternate lines. The Look, con- nothing was confidence as aggr- is no. incredible. <laughs> Luke, you should Nothing was as that, aggressive man. as Oregon. Oregon, I legitimately thought that was going to be 30 points, and Washington was that bad, but Oregon, the rain, I, how am I supposed to – how am I supposed to predict that it was going to be a, a monsoon in Washington? Yeah, you can't. You can never look at the Weather Channel or anything like that, and you know. Oh, we make our picks early. Things change, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's interesting. It's a. I mean, SEC games. It's a road game. It's a night game. Who knows, right? I don't know. I feel like Ole Miss. You guys would know better than me. I feel like their fans on a night game could be pretty rowdy. I feel like it could be a tough place to play. It's and, uh, again, if, Oh no, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Nick. I think they uh it can it can be. It's not that big of a stadium though, it's not that imposing. Oh it's the tailgating scene at Old Miss that makes that place rock. But I tend to agree with Luke here. I I have faith long term in Lane Kiffin. 
I don't, I probably shouldn't, but I do, and that's probably just because I think it's I think it's funny, it's interesting. He's a sideshow right now as this college football season develops. I think Texas A&M has gotten better, and I agree with Luke wholeheartedly. They're learning to run the ball. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I think Texas A&M, by more than two, uh, is a safe pick. I like that. See, that's that's a smart man right there. He doesn't come out and say Texas A&M by 10. He just says by more Ten. than two, and that's all Ten. you need. That's all you need. <laughs> That's, I like it. All right, I'll go next. I have my love, and I have my loves. Two picks. Two for here. Same Ew. game. Same game. And <laughs> I tell you what, I hate I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's against everything I know, yet it's the only thing that I've been getting right this year. Georgia, Tennessee, we've talked about it plenty enough. Minus 20. Who cares about that, though? I'm all about the unders this week. I'm going under 56. We can talk about the offenses all we want. Until this the Georgia game's unders don't hit, then I'll maybe start reconsidering. But right now, this is an auto pick. It's auto pick. Georgia game, unders. Also, second love, Tennessee, 17.5. I'm going to do the under for Tennessee. I don't need to really put any rationale in. We've already talked about this Georgia defense on this podcast enough. This is an auto pick. Just unders for Georgia. Until I lose these picks, yes, this game could get out of hand. We've talked about it. They can blow up. Tennessee can. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. I'm going to stick with the unders with Georgia. Those are my two picks. Under 56 for the game. Under 17.5 for Tennessee's team total. Nick, I like this pick. I I like the under 17 and a half. I, I think that's possible. Again, unless Tennessee's lot of numbers come up. But the under 56 scares me here. And I know that Georgia's offense doesn't get a lot of credit. So I'm going to talk about Tennessee's defense here real quick. The past two games, they've given up over 500 yards between the hashes passing. They're giving up a 74% completion rate down the middle of the field. Georgia's slot receivers and its tight ends are its best athletes on the field. It is the one place that Stetson Bennett can at least throw to consistently. I can see Georgia blowing the lid off of that Tennessee defense down the middle once those guys are gassed. And I can see a couple of quick scores from Tennessee to go over that 56 number. Uh, maybe not the 17.5 team under, but uh, you know I've got some faith in the Georgia offense this week too. Again, I think that Tennessee defense is going to be gassed, and statistically, their weakness is Georgia's strength passing the ball. The biggest, I think, the biggest thing, and it actually this worked to your advantage in the old Miss game, and this is what I was concerned about with your underpick is that Tennessee is usually either going to score in three minutes or be off the field in one minute, and that's where you got to be concerned. Now the old Miss line was like seventy something, so it was a totally different. It was totally different. Here it's a little bit scarier because it's what only fifty six. I I don't know what you're gonna want when Tennessee has the ball, right? Like sustained drives, I don't think are gonna happen. So they're either gonna be three and out, or it's gonna be a a, a touchdown or or points. I think it's a little bit riskier this week. Yes, I think so too. Especially the more unders hit, they start to put the line a little bit lower each week. But something about me and it to me, like we're saying, the Tennessee defense is terrible. What's comforting to me 
is that this game could be 41 to 14 and I still win that game. And 41's a ton of points. Yes, are they capable of scoring more against a Tennessee team? For sure. They definitely could. It's just if they're blowing them out, they don't need to score. Therefore, that's when you start playing the clock game. You start running the ball, you start Yeah. And if their defense can stop them, it doesn't matter. They're not going to want to go score on big plays. Now, or if they break off these 80-yard touchdown runs, that's when I'm screwed. In the third quarter, in the early fourth quarter, if Georgia starts breaking up monster runs or they're getting 20-yard runs at a time, I'll be in trouble. Again, I I easily could be on the wrong side of it. it it's not necessarily like a, I feel really good. It's a pick that has just been so good to me that I don't it's it's your Texas A&M pick. You've got a little more feeling good but it's like let's 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 get on them because they've burned me well george has been so good to me i'm gonna stay with them i yeah i love it nick i know i'm biased i know luke's biased in the other direction i will say if georgia gets a double digit lead at any point in this game the tennessee fans are going to go crazy because kirby smart is going to run 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 and keep that offense off the field i mean you're going to see six seven minutes sustained drives from georgia unless you know Tennessee tries to let them score, which might not be a bad plan. Uh, if you really think about Tennessee's strengths at times, depending on where this game is, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I can see this pick working out for you. But I can also see the, the inverse here. Yeah, it could. I mean, every pick can go either way. This one, they're two pretty good offenses, one really good defense, one terrible defense. The terrible defense could maybe – I, I, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to if Tennessee can score more than 14 points, I think I'm in trouble. I'd agree with that. All right, give us your love. Uh, my love this week is Arkansas and Sam Pittman, minus 2.5 at LSU. I think Sam Pittman deserves Coach of the Year honors, right up there with Mel Tucker. I'm all in on this Arkansas team. They righted the ship. October was rough for them. They got punched in the mouth by Georgia. They they kind of wobbled there for a little while. They got an emotional win against Mississippi State last week. They play solid fundamental football. They're not the most talented. They're not the fastest. But I think LSU's last gasp for Coach O was that effort in Tuscaloosa last week. I mean, I think that was their last gasp. At this point, you know, I see this as a letdown game for LSU. It's a big rivalry game. Arkansas has way more on the line than LSU does at this point in the season. Coach O with a foot out the door. I think Arkansas goes into Death Valley and wins by more than two and a half points. Uh, I'm not as confident as Luke is in Texas A&M, but I, I think, you know, four or five is reasonable here. Take take the hogs. Woo pig suey. All right, that's a good pick. I think, we, you know, you guys certainly know a bunch about the SEC, so we've got, you know, a fair amount of the SEC picks, and it's, they always provide entertaining games because they're a very quality conference. Even teams like Arkansas, LSU, they're fun to watch. They're on. They're always on TV. Good luck to you. I think that's a safe pick. I, the emotion side of that game makes a ton of sense. We'll see how it plays out. Arkansas is a good football team. LSU seems, like you said, how much gas is in the tank? Hopefully not much. Hopefully they cover two and a half relatively comfortable. Let's get into our locks. Let's go to Luke. You're you're hot, right? How many how many weeks in a row is this? It's too many to count. That's that's what it is. <laughs> too many to count. Well, let's give your pick. Let's keep the keep the momentum going. Okay. Let me preface this. I 
you, you know when you scan the top 25 games and you see a line that doesn't feel right and you're like, wow, I feel really good about this. Like last week, Oregon, I was like, wow, I feel really good about this pick. But that game is like very often like very highly bet. Like there's just a lot, a lot of volume on the top 25 games because everyone tracks those teams. Nothing gets me more excited than when I see a non-top 25 matchup and a line that I think is so wrong. And this week, it's Kentucky at Vanderbilt. The line is Kentucky minus 21 and a half. I got it at minus 21 and a half. I think it's down to 21 now, which is even better. And, like, I I don't understand. Like, the Kentucky and everybody's going to beat Vanderbilt by, like, 30, 40 points. And Kentucky's not bad. Like, people have this lingering taste in their mouth of they lost to Georgia, they lost to Tennessee, and then who'd they lose before they lost to Tennessee? Mississippi State. The Mississippi State. Like they've lost, I think they've lost their last three games. They and have. There's this, there's this taste in everyone's mouth that the Kentucky team is now the Kentucky that's second to worst in the SEC East. But they're still very, very good. And they put up they did put up like six hundred yards against Tennessee. And their defense the defense didn't get a lot of credit because Tennessee blew the lid off them in like five plays for forty five points. But this this line is so out of whack. It should be much closer to thirty. I love like I like love lock this lock. This is the one that like this is one almost it's it's almost Nick, it's almost like the the one you circled. Remember that Missouri Vanderbilt game we did like two years ago where you're like, this doesn't feel right at all. And it was a non top twenty five matchup, and I remember going huge. This Almost feels like that. It's not exactly that. I'm not that confident. Drew Locke when he was with Missouri. Yes, exactly. And it, the line was similar. It was like 21, and we're like, what in the world? This is very, very similar to that. So I have Kentucky minus 21 and a half, and I, I haven't told Aaron, but we're we're taking out, we're emptying the savings account, we're putting loans on everything, we're <laughs> we're liquidating everything we got. You gonna tell her before the game or after? We will tell her once we're winning comfortably. <laughs> Honey, I sold it all for you. Uh, I mean, Kentucky, that's your safe That's your safe place. It has been all year, right? It, they've burned you, though, recently. So they did. With, with that last statement that you made, gosh, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Gamble responsibly, obviously, but I hope you're right. But you got to go big to win big. Sure, sure. But you know, we're we're a gambling podcast. We have to say gamble responsibly. It's only it's only right. It's only moral. All right, I'll go to my lock. I've got Purdue at number five, Ohio State. This line is minus twenty, and I am on the Buckeyes. I've got just two things. Ohio State is a much better football team, much better athletes, much better talent, much better coaches. Purdue, they are good. But they are not Ohio State good, and they can. I don't think they can put together back-to-back weeks of this miracles. These miracles happening. I think this is going to be a blowout. I I really do. I know when Purdue beat. I think it was the week after they beat Iowa. I think they ended up getting smoked by Wisconsin. And I just feel like that's. It, it just smells fishy to me. I can see Ohio State. Absolutely blowing blowing the doors off in this game and winning comfortably. Four touchdowns. I think it'll be a four-touchdown game throughout most of the game. Potentially a backdoor touchdown late to bring it to 21. I know like that's one point above a lock. It shouldn't feel comfortable. 
I think the game <laughs> will be extremely comfortable with a particular. Like they're they're going to be so far ahead that backdoor, even if they score Purdue scores a late touchdown, it won't matter. Ohio State minus twenty. I like the pick, Taylor. Well, I was going to say I like your pick. I hope you're wrong. I hope Purdue wins, but I like the pick from a gambling perspective. My heart wants Purdue, though, obviously. Um, guys, you know, we started with a Wake Forest filibuster. we got to end with a Wake Forest filibuster. Uh, NC State at Wake Forest. This, this is a huge game for Wake. A big home game, you know, as, as big of a home game as you can have in a 31,000-seat stadium. But uh, a big home game. NC State's defense is pretty good. I mean, they're top 20 nationally in stop rate. Uh, I want to say top 10 in points per game. I'm taking the over here, though, at 66.5. I can see this going in one of two ways. Either Wake plays this game, lights out, that offense clicks, and they make their last stand at home, uh, or Wake's porous defense gives up a lot of points to NC State. Uh, so I'm taking the over here at 66 and a half. You know, Wake can score, and Wake's defense is porous. Again, I just see this Wake Forest over as being as, you know, it's my safe space. If Kentucky is yours, uh, I'm sorry, if Georgia is yours on the defensive side, the Wake overs are my safe space each week. I think this one will hit comfortably. Uh, I was tempted to take Wake at uh, minus two and a half. I don't love that. I think the Deeks can win this game. But I think a lot of points are going to be given up this weekend in Winston-Salem. Uh, lots on the line. And, uh, you know, ride the over here. It's going to work for you. Whenever, when in doubt, just go to go to the safe place. That's what this week, <laughs> this, this week is all about. This is my safety blanket. Going into your safe place and being comfortable, feeling nice and cozy. Go back to what we know. We all went to our safe place with even Luke choosing Kentucky as their lock. I love it. I love it. Don't overthink it. Just stick to what we feel and what we know, what we've seen, and what's been good to us. I like it. That, I mean, and, those games are insane. So, And, Nick, I know uh, I think we've got snake cocktails up next. I kind of broke protocol this week. I don't know if Luke told you, but I asked him to buy an alcohol before we recorded the podcast this week. And I don't know, Luke, were you able to do that? I did. Let me go grab it really quick. Okay. Uh, Nick, I'll explain to you why uh, I wanted Luke to do this. Not knowing that cocktails this week was going to be uh, our snake draft, but this is actually perfect. Uh, I have a cocktail for Luke to make uh, that will make sense with your other snakes going forward. Fair enough. I like it. Yeah, so we decided on the snake draft, I don't know, five minutes before. We, we're we kind of getting to the point in the year where it, it takes a lot more time to come up with our topics for the snake draft. So again, I you know we don't know how many listeners we have. It's not a, it's not a ton, but the loyal ones that are there, if you want to send us recommendations, we will take those recommendations with open arms. So, I'll say that. Luke, you're back with a cocktail. What do you got for us? I've got a, a, cart, or a glass of non-pulp OJ and some Kahlua. So, Luke, I need you to mix those in equal proportions in a glass and stir oh, it. Shoot, I gotta go get a glass now. <laughs> get a glass, get a glass. Tell you what, we'll cut this part. This is, this is great podcasting this is here as Luke gets his glass, but... 
I'm excited for this. This is like what a great setup to this snake draft of cocktails. And again, completely unplanned, but this works out awesome. Yeah, he. I, I texted him late last night. Uh, I wanted him to do this. I was thinking about those previous snake drafts, and uh, they were all. All of your snake drafts have been great. Uh, I have some qualms on the avatar and Tootsie Roll selections, but um, <laughs> so Luke, pour those. Pour those drinks into a glass. I know y'all's listeners can't see right now because there's no video, but Luke's pouring some Kahlua in equal proportion to some orange juice. This is a perfect way to go into the cocktail uh, snake draft. Did you? And Taylor didn't know that we were doing cocktails either, which is interesting. Yeah, I know. That's this looks what we so were gross. Saying. It was a complete coincidence that this happened it's amazing Dude. all right mix mix that together yep. real well and then take a sip and tell us what it tastes like looks like liquid doo-doo is what it looks like <laughs> it does Oof. all right he's taking a sip the anticipation is killing me he's thinking he's going back for another sip he can't decide tastes like chocolate in honor of luke's halloween candy pick it is supposed to taste like a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> it does. It tastes like chocolate. That's wild. You know what? I think Luke nailed it on the head then. It, it is doo-doo. <laughs> it looks like doo-doo. And it's... Tootsie Rolls do look like doo-doo, which is fine. Yeah, they do. Your, your, your they pick do. of Tootsie Roll and a snake draft of candy was doo-doo. So it's perfect <laughs> oh, circle. All right, all right, good one. Perfect circle. All right, let's, before, before we get in, I smoked you again last week. I know. Yeah, look, that, I, I don't have there, a bunch of nerds. I, I know there could be. Bonus. I don't have a bunch of nerd friends playing Halo and COD in their mom's basement. Like I have, like grown ass adults playing. You duck know, Hunter. Duck, duck and, Hunt. Duck Hunt. Yeah, Pokemon. Like, that's a real a of, game. A bunch of grown friends playing Pokemon. Like, oh, you're gonna just, make, you're gonna make fun of the Pokemon crowd. The Pokemon I'm, crowd is everyone. So I'm not. I'm just saying. Sometimes you have to accept the fact that I smoked you again. I, it's not like it's a one-time thing. Yes, obviously my followers on Twitter or on Instagram are biased. They yeah. They let's just disclose the sample that we're taking, right? They are, like, they are how did you? Me. Where? Who are the voters here? They are my followers of Instagram. Okay, <laughs> enough but, said. But I think enough said. When, when it's seventy-two percent in my favor, that is enough to say I smoked you. And what was it? A couple weeks ago, you pulled it on your Instagram, and I still won. So I don't think Yeah, it's, that one was Yeah. That one was fair. I, like no, you have a bunch of Gen Z losers and and Gen X and whatever they are <laughs> voting, you know, for you. Like fine, you're, you you appeal to those people, but you're missing the I don't I you're don't You're missing I'm, the I can't the backbone of this this United States. Don't you don't you talk about my followers <laughs> like that. Don't you do that. Anyways, I had to get that off my chest. I felt like it was fair. We had a poll. I I won the poll. No. Last week was bad. Last week was bad. Okay. I mean, at least you can admit it. At first it was, you don't want to hear it. Now it's that you were bad. Anyways, you, you need to be better this week, all right? I've, I've been getting a lot of feedback. You need to be better. I got it. Okay. No problem. <laughs> all right. Guest, Taylor, why don't you choose the order? Best cocktails, you choose the order, and whatever you say is final. Nick, Taylor, Luke. Nick, Taylor, Luke. All right. I am going to start with a Moscow Mule. 
I, it's my favorite. I mean, one of two, potentially. It's amazing. Post-game, a little bit, kind of like, kind of maybe tastes like a Sprite. I love a Moscow Mule. Number one pick. There's a lot of ginger in Moscow Mules, right? It's a ginger beer. Yeah. It's kind of a polarizing pick a little bit. A lot of people don't like ginger. Well, again, I'm not making my. It's just interesting. Just interesting. Just interesting. I'm so upset. I like Moscow Mules, and my favorite thing that has happened so far, even though the listeners can't see, is Luke continues to drink that Tootsie Roll. Um, it's it, good, man. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I love Moscow Mules, but guys, I'm terrified. I read something a while back that the copper glasses they're serving those things in are like leaching into the cocktail and killing us slowly. So if you are a regular Moscow Mule drinker, you need to do some research to see what containers your Moscow Mules are going into. Don't die because you enjoyed Moscow Mules from copper poisoning or whatever the hell it is that's getting into the beverages. Uh, do some research there. That's a great point. To be fair, at the in, in Utah, they have these uh, like Moscow Mules in a can. So that's pretty much what I drink now. They're just in these cans, which is hopefully... But I mean, it, it's a great okay. cocktail. It's got its own drink glass. I mean, it's awesome. That thing gets so frosty. It's so refreshing. But who knew? Maybe it was killing us this whole time. And it wasn't the alcohol. That's, I'm, I'm happy you said that. I just don't want that bit of information to tamper anyone with my with my picks. But it's uh, and also I do feel like you needed to say that because that seems very – it seems more <laughs> important than winning a snake draft. <laughs> All right, um, who's up next? I got lost already. I did too. Am I next? You can go. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. seat the floor. All right. I – it's my favorite, and it definitely is polarizing because a lot of people don't like tomato juice, but I'm going with the Bloody Mary. I think this is the most, the, the drink I drink the most on a golf course. Uh, it's the best drink. Here's the reason why I like the Bloody Mary is because when you're looking for a breakfast drink, you go Bloody Mary or you go mimosa. And my problem with mimosas is A, they're really sweet, and two, I can drink a ton of them. So I get a little bit like too drunk on mimosas too quickly. Bloody Mary, a little more hearty, a little more robust, a little fuller bodied of a drink. And if you get lucky, you can stack some nice sides on top of it if you go to like a Bloody Mary bar. So Bloody Mary, second overall pick. That's a good pick. I'm not a Bloody That's Mary a person, pick. but I respect people that drink Bloody Marys. I don't know why. I think because I, I just don't have the stomach for it. Um, but I'm all with you on the candied bacon on top. Give that to me. You can have the alcohol, Luke. Give me your bacon, though. Yes. Or, I mean, there's a place in Nashville where my wife is from that gives you like a whole fried chicken on top of a Bloody Mary. It is wild. Um, I'm there for the fried chicken and bacon. Um, my pick, you know, it's cliche. Uh, yeah, it's old fashioned, guys. You know what? I love Mad Men. I love Don Draper. Uh, I love bourbon. I don't know if there's a drink in history that has ever gone out of style as hard as the old-fashioned had and then been brought back in by a, a cable TV show, but uh, you got to go with it. It is the classic bourbon cocktail right now. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. You know, it, it's easy to make. You can make it at home compared to a lot of other cocktails. Uh, I'm all about it. Good pick. That's a classic. You know, you can't go wrong it just with looks, classics. It's probably the most badass cup too right like you whenever you're drinking old fashioned you look like a million bucks yeah exactly 
usually it comes in the circle ice cube too or like some really fancy ice cube with a shaved orange peel it's it's got it's got a good visual to it as well it uh you know what else did did the old-fashioned well was the ryan gosling scene in crazy stupid love where he makes it like in his in his house you know what i'm talking about absolutely yeah absolutely all right what you got for your second pick here you know what i'm gonna go even more old-fashioned uh i'm just hitting all of the high points from the 60s i'm gonna go tom collins if you've never had a tom collins guys it it it's a 10 out of 10 on that refreshing scale you've got gin you've got fresh lemon and lime juice you've got some simple syrup maybe a cherry uh thrown in there if if you're feeling a little flavorful uh and it's just good stuff served in a highball glass with a straw and crushed ice i'm all about the tom collins i'll order them and people will be like you were way too young to be ordering this drink what decade are you from time traveler but i I love the tom collins I have had Tom Collins, and I'll, I'll be honest, when I ordered it, I thought it was going to be a whiskey drink, and then it came out, like, clear, and I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, because I cannot do gin very well. But Gin's good, I think. It is. It's refreshing. Yes. Yeah, see, yeah. I, I, I've just had, I've had some bad experiences with some gin, so maybe <laughs> a Tom Collins would be a good reintroduction back into the, the, the gin field. It's a safe gin drink. It is the Georgia under of gin beverages, Nick. It is the Georgia under of gin beverages. <laughs> when you put it like that, I might have to go make one tonight. It always comes through for you, but if you have too many of them, it will punch you in the mouth. So I don't like that. I'm, I've been on Georgia way too many times then. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, let's, Luke, what do you got? All right, for the... Uh... For the fifth overall pick, we're going below the border. I'm drafting margaritas. And this is just, I I wanted to mix it up. Bloody Mary is kind of my golf drink. Margaritas, definitely my beach slash pool drink slash summer drink. You could go, I thought about it, you could go mojito. You could go strawberry daiquiri, Miami Vice. But you can't drink a ton of those mojitos. Like the stuff gets in your teeth. Margarita you can drink all day long. It, it's easy on the stomach. It's, it's great, great taste. It, it's long-lasting. Margarita, fifth overall pick. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. I have, I'm going to ask for some clarification here, and I don't know if it's going to play. This is going to be my next two picks here. I had a jalapeno margarita on my list. Is that too similar? If it is, Nick's way it. too similar. Okay. Whoa, 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 hold on. I, I would actually argue that it is not because just the regular margarita, you think of kind of a fruit based jalapeno margaritas are a different level. But that is like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I think the argument could go either way here. Because I, I think margaritas are good. I think jalapeno margaritas are a completely different level of good. Like Look, can... your listeners will know if you're trying to ride my coattails on this pick, which it seems <laughs> like you are. So you pick jalapeno margaritas at your own risk. Yeah, I, 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 I won't because I know that's going to upset you. I, I'm upset with you now that I can't have this pick because... Understood. Because jalapeno is so much better than just a regular margarita. I, I think you... Maybe I'm. that's my opinion, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, I, I won't do that. I'm going, oh gosh, man, this is tricky. So you threw a wrench in my 
my lineup here. <clears throat> I'm going to go sticking with tequila, this whole margarita thing. I'm going to go with a Paloma. And have you guys ever heard of a Paloma? It got real hot this summer. Paloma I've is... I've heard of it. Is I don't know if I've had it. It's basically tequila, like a grapefruit soda, and some lime. Some fresh lime, lime juice, and it's the definition of refreshing. Again, you don't you don't want to have a lot of them. It is the absolute drink of the summer. If you want to make them at home, get some tequila, go to the grocery store and buy some squirt, the squirt soda, and then some fresh limes. That's how you make it. It's very, very simple, but it is incredibly refreshing. Wait, what Paloma, is... This is... This is going to be a controversial statement, Nick, but but what is squirt? You don't know squirt? <laughs> no idea. So squirt, no idea. Is a, squirt is a grapefruit soda. So it's essentially like Sprite, but it's squirt. It's not as popular, clearly. Okay. They okay. won't be at every grocery store because they, okay. they aren't as popular. But if you want to make an easy one, that those three things make for a great Paloma. And it's, like I said, it's super, super easy to make. And it's very good. So that's my okay. pick, Paloma. Maybe not the best uh, winter drink as we're approaching winter, but summertime, next summer, please, please, please give it a try. I will. And then my last, my last pick is more of a winter drink. And I so if I can't if I couldn't do jalapeno, which was more specific, how jalapeno margarita. I'm gonna do a. There's a certain kind of whiskey, so my pick is whiskey on the rocks, but it has to be a smoky whiskey, like a very smoky. And there's this whiskey here in Utah called Campfire, and it is just like I said. Very, I've had Campfire. Yeah. High West. High West. So you Good guys stuff. know. Campfire yeah. on the rocks. You don't need much of it, but it's incredible. And it's again like you talk about easy. Pour it on the rocks. The smoky flavor of this campfire. I'm so glad you guys have had it. It's a little bit more pricey depending on you know what your price goes, but it is phenomenal. I love it. You know the distillery is in Park City, so they yep. have a restaurant everything up here. And some of the drinks that they make with all the you know they've got like four or five different kinds of specialties incredible they are so so good high west high west bure was one of my favorite bourbons of all time and unfortunately they don't make it anymore and i have scoured the earth looking for a bottle of that so if any of your listeners or utah friends have a connection to get me a us in storage bottle of bure i'll pay i'll pay good money for it and i will also teach them how to make the tootsie roll cocktail that Luke made tonight. <laughs> Taylor Taylor's father-in-law, my uncle, actually got me a bottle of hot or a campfire whiskey when I moved into my new apartment when I first moved to Chicago. Funny enough. What'd you think? Oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was so it's, good. It's so good. I I always, I, you know, you know, you like have like bottles of like all the whiskey you have in like a cabinet or something. I always left like a little bit just so I could keep the bottle in there and not throw it out. Absolutely. I think that's a bit of a homer pick for me because it's you can go to the distillery and it's it's so available here. But I, I like it's incredible. It's my favorite it's a good whiskey pick. without a doubt. Yeah, it's my favorite it is whiskey good stuff. without a doubt. It is really good. 
I feel good. That's thanks, guys. I, I am so happy you guys have both had it. It pumped me up a little bit. I felt like I just <laughs> finished strong there. Pump me up, baby. I uh, so I'll go with the seventh, eighth, eighth pick. I'm gonna go with an Irish coffee, and so like coffee and Bailey's basically. And the reason why I like this this drink, this cocktail, is because a it can be had for breakfast on a cold day, like on the golf course, which I you know I already satisfied with the Bloody Mary, but also you can have it at night after dinner when you're trying to you know. It's actually the perfect drink when you're like about to go out. You get the caffeine, you get the alcohol, you get a nice mix of everything. So, it's Irish like, coffee. It's the adult version of a Red Bull vodka when you're like maybe going out, but you don't really want to go crazy like out out. It's the adult version. It's a of little. The Red Bull vodka. It's much more subtle than a red. You order a Red Bull vodka and people are like, "Whoa, like that's abrasive." Like you're trying to go out. You order yeah. Irish whiskey, people are like, "Hey, like this guy could be up for anything tonight. Maybe he wants to chill, but really secretly, subtly, he's very classy." Ramping up. That's right. Yeah, I like it. I'm a big Irish coffee drinker. Actually, sorry, airplanes. Not to not to cut you off. I had one of these today. Have you ever had an espresso martini? Those are oh, yeah. really popular now. Yes. Oh wow! First one I had today, and it's obviously very similar. But it was. Whew, you know what my big gripe about martinis is? Martinis in general, but espresso martinis. The glasses are not spiller friendly. No. Like Awful. one little one Awful. of these and it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's the price you pay for looking so cool though, Luke. That's the thing. They, I don't, they're not gonna I'm give an you function. Drinker. They're just gonna give you style in that martini glass. I need something like a regular plastic cup with tall sides to, to lock in my drink. Actually, you don't know this, but at Thanksgiving I'm only serving you Tootsie Rolls and Martini glasses. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Sounds like I'm going to be the big winner of Thanksgiving. Yeah, you, you might be. All right, finishes off with a strong pick here. Um, oh, man. You know, I wanted to – I'm not going to pick it. I wanted to pick a Vesper, but your viewers can't see me, but they're just going to assume based on my three drink choices that I'm an 85-year-old man. Um, I, I love a Vesper, though. Gin, Lillette Blanc, vodka with two lemon twists, really ice cold. That is a great cocktail to get your night started, but only have one of them. I lived in New Orleans for three years. I love New Orleans cocktails. I think I'm going to go... God, this is a tough one. I'm going to throw up a hurricane, guys. I know it doesn't taste very good, but it is a New Orleans classic. It gets you where you want to go. Don't drink more than two of them. Um, And Luke, I think we've got to make honorable mention for wine. Because if we don't, Wine Corner is never going to let us back in at Thanksgiving. So it needs to be up there, just in maybe with like an asterisk by it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because, I mean, wine is the consistent drink of, you know, throughout your week. Let's have a glass of wine. That's, that's yeah. safe. You're fine. You're supposed to have a glass of wine. If you do a you know a cocktail every single night, I think the cocktails were the fancy picks that we had in mind here. You know, when That's you say best cocktails slash drinks, your brain starts to go and you overthink those. We we overthink our safe place in a good old glass of red wine, and I think that uh, red wine honorable mention that that'll I'll say that for every all three of us because I totally think, fair. Yeah, I think that's very very safe. Red, I'm glad you brought that up because that's. You can't really have a, a good list without even mentioning 
red wine. No, absolutely. And uh, Luke, if we need wine help, Kate can Vivino it for us. That's true. She just discovered the app, so we're we're in safe hands now. Lovely, lovely. Well, Taylor, I I think that's all we got for this episode eleven. That was awesome. Longer episode, but it was very very enjoyable. You brought a lot to the table. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the insight. Yeah, it was like I said, it was really, really fun. I enjoyed having you on there. We'll uh, we'll have to have you back on at some point. Thanks, y'all. I had a blast. I love what y'all do. I love the podcast. Thank y'all for having me. I'm sorry I gave you a wake filibuster at the beginning. Uh, if you want to cut that, <laughs> feel free. I'm still gonna send you my bill though uh, for for my wake speech. But no, it was awesome. It's gonna be a fun weekend. Uh, I definitely think you know y'all are gonna y'all have got some good picks up here. I've got some good vibes about your picks this weekend and I wish you nothing but success the rest of the way and, and hopefully we can have this conversation again and talk about how this all played out. Undefeated yeah. podcast, here we come. Yeah, well we'll um normally with our guests, whenever we have them on, we we create a group group thread for going into the week and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Because typically very early the the cursed word gets thrown out from our guest. <laughs> because it hasn't been a very uh, friendly, friendly podcast with our picks. But I got, I'm got throw throw everything I just said aside. It's good vibes from here until Saturday, and let's let's go undefeated. Let's do this thing, right? We can do it. I agree. Ten and zero, ten and zero. So, no, again, that was awesome though. That'll wrap up episode eleven. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll talk to you guys next week.